So I just want to tell you, thank you for joining us. My name is Shell Broadnax. I'm the CEO of RESA, Real Estate Staging Association. We are the trade association for professional real estate stagers. We are a 501c6 tax-exempt nonprofit trade association. Why does that matter? Great question. I'd love to answer because I don't own it. Gina doesn't own it. Felicia doesn't own it. Nobody owns it. The members own it. So it's very membership driven. And that's what we're here for. My team gets up every morning literally to serve our membership. So thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I appreciate it. And when I, I know here, we're going to skip ahead a little bit. I am so excited today because Joke Durojaye, as soon as I said it first, the first time now I got to mess it up. Joke Durojaye, founder and creator of Genesis Home Staging. Uh, they're a boutique company based in the Seattle area. Now she has a background in business management, multimedia design, training, and real estate. Uh, she was also a lead agent at Redfin where she taught uh, proprietary Redfin home buying classes as well. Now, as part of her passion uh, for the advancement of our industry, she's introduced home staging as an income stream to a Nigerian-based interior design students and dis established designers. Um, and she's got some outstanding education that will be hitting uh hitting hitting the streets where you can get your education directly from her as well for other things so welcome joe k thank you for joining me thank you Cheryl. it's so nice to be here to join you and um, talk to all of our friends absolutely so i'm going to go here and i'm, I'm going to try to back up I don't know why uh, these things I put out of order. So I just want to talk a little bit about before we get started. Um, I'm not going to read all this word for word, but basically the benefits in supporting RISA, your trade association. People ask really, what is a trade association and why does it matter? Well, NAR, the National Association of Realtors, is for what real estate agents have. RISA is what stagers have. So it's really great opportunities that we are able to present to our membership base. Number one, we have a lot of educational opportunities. Um, and in addition, we do agent outreach, reports, statistics. So we're really working to make staging a really viable business model. And we want to be able to bridge that gap between homeowners and real estate agents and stagers to be able to help you all out by doing the stats and the reports to give you more credibility by having your National Trade Association backing you as well in everything it is that you're doing. So that's some of the benefits of it. So save the date, RisaCon. It's coming up July Yay. 29th and 31st at the M Resort, Las Vegas. Joe Kay, are you going to join me this time? I am. Yeah, so I'm coming. It's going to be awesome. Let me tell you, we are getting some speakers together and um, we have a speaker coming back, our keynote speaker. Um, third time he'll be speaking. I'm not going to even tell you who he is right now, but he's amazing. Everybody's Come on. super excited. Put it this way. Nobody's going to be disappointed. Nobody will okay. be disappointed. Promise. I'm looking forward. You know, since my first ResaCon, I haven't been back because COVID. Yeah, And now I'm just like, okay, I'm ready to go. So yeah, I'll be there next summer. Yep, it's going to be great. All right, are you ready? Let's answer some questions. I'm ready. Let's All go. right, so first question, are most home staging businesses structured as an LLC? And how do you go about doing that? So this is a great question. Um, I would say that uh, most people probably start out as a sole proprietor, but if you're going to do any type of, of business and you're really going to make a stab at it, I strongly recommend getting an LLC. There's so many benefits um, to having the LLC. Number one, even when when you're looking at um, and vetting yourself as being vetted, somebody's looking to vet you. When you're a sole proprietor, 
um, and they know this about you, your income just, you know, passes straight to you. It's more or less something that somebody does a lot of times if you're doing a hobby, um, not to say that real businesses, you know, real people that aren't doing this hobby aren't a sole proprietor, but it just tends to kind of go that way. And when you're an mm-hmm. LLC, there's benefits because if something goes wrong, it's limited liability company, which means that you have a limited liability. So if something goes drastically wrong and somebody needed to sue mm-hmm. you for something, they're only going to sue the assets for the organization um, of your LLC. What else, What do yeah. you think about um, about this question? I agree with everything you've said. And there are no statistics to show really how many home stagers are LLC. But yes, most start out yes. as sole proprietors, if you want to do serious business, I just like the idea of separating my business from my personal, you know, assets, debts, liabilities, all of those things. It just sets you apart. And I'm just like an employee of the business. I get paid and everything is completely separate. I like that. And then thinking about how do you go about being an LLC? The thing is, if you go to Google and start checking, how do I become an LLC? The things that will pop up to you are people who want to take your money. And you don't need to pay anyone, really. You don't need to pay anyone to register your LLC. Go to your Secretary of State website. Every state has one. Or you can go get some more, you know, education and resources from the Small Business Administration, sba.gov. You get all the information. You don't even need anything really to get started. Don't pay legal Zoom anything. Right. All you need to pay is the fee. Like, I think it was like 60 bucks when I registered mine and I did it all myself. They, didn't, they don't ask you for anything or a whole bunch of questions, just your business name, your address and all of those things. And you get your LLC. Yep, and then you like can that. talk to an accountant about you know, what the benefits are for you just to get some education of how, especially if you've been operating as a sole proprietor all along and you want to switch to LLC, which is what I did, you know, getting together with an accountant to understand what that is going to be for you with the tax implications and all the benefits of it. Yep, absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. All right. So what's the best advice that you can give to someone who wants to break into the home staging industry? Now I could answer this. I could answer this seriously, but I swear to God, the jokester in me wants to say, run no but in all seriousness let me tell you something this is a really great industry to be in um it can be very lucrative um but with anything you get what you put into it so i've had four or five coaching calls today and i had some really really great coaching calls with people today super excited just to see um people coming into the industry with a fresh look at it and they're excited themselves Um, The biggest mistake, I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you what to avoid here. The biggest mistake I think that people make when they're getting into this is they come to the game with a defeatist mentality, your mindset of I'm too green. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't charge, uh, you know, the mid to upper echelon of fees because I'm green. I'm not sure what I'm doing. So you go into it already with this imposter syndrome and this defeatist mentality. Mm-hmm. And if you have that, it's going to be so difficult to get you where it is that you want to go. Um, the best advice is to have an open attitude to get absolutely get training and in your business, figure out quickly what you want your business to look like. And you have to work the plan every single day. If you think that you're going to get up and start a a, a staging business and wiggle your nose and stuff happens, 
stuff happens all right, but it's not the stuff that you want to happen. So you literally have to wake up every single day and say, all right, I'm up. The kids are in school, whatever, everybody, all my people got away from me. Here it is. And I'm going to start my business this morning. You get up and you go to work every day by eight or nine o'clock in the morning. And then you do like a job, you treat it like a job and you have to give it attention in order to make it work. Yeah. What do you think? I agree with everything you said. I'll add to that the fact that, you know, getting yourself trained, if it, especially if it's a new territory for you, you've never done this before. It's important that you get some kind of training. And then when you get the training, talking about being a new person, I'm new, I'm new, as if it's a disease, you know, you can, I don't want to give my car to a mechanic that's new. Nobody wants to work with somebody that's new that doesn't have experience. But how do you get that experience? You don't have to wait for somebody to give you work to create experience. You can put your hands to work. Once you get that training, you need to put your hands to work, start doing stuff. Recreate your living room in five different ways. Stage it for your grandmother, your neighbor, your friends. Stage their spaces. Let everybody know this is what you do. And then get a good photographer. Put those things on a one-page website. You can create yourself. Yeah. and put it on social media you can slice and dice take those photos of one room and you can get 10 photos from there that you can post on instagram every day now people know what you're doing now you're no longer new you cannot call yourself new anymore stop saying that just get going get doing you only get there by doing and doing and doing and put yourself out there yeah absolutely a uh, cowboy um years ago i asked this cowboy friend of mine I said, you know, I'm just so insecure about the writing and I can't, you know, I'm, uh, it terrifies me to go fast. And he said to me, he looked over and he said, Shell, he's like, you're not a bad writer. You want to, <laughs> you want to be up here. Like, like the top reigning champions, someone who's won a world title and you've been writing for like two years. So give yourself a break, but the only way to get better is to practice more time in the saddle. So yeah, there you go. If you look off in the chat box, everybody, there is a roadmap to start a staging business. So if anybody's on the call today and you really haven't gotten started or you're just getting started, click that link. Um, there's some great information there for you. So to stage or not to stage a room is a kid's room. Mm -hmm. uh, so this person's asking, said, personally, I don't, um, I do not and want to showcase the maximum value of the space. Okay, so to stage a kid's room or, or not, I would say absolutely. If you, well, depends. If you're moving into, if you're staging a 55 and older community, then no, do an office. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're in a neighborhood, family-friendly neighborhood, and this is what's moving into the neighborhood, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Boy, I remember seeing um, the first exposure that I ever had to a model home. I was, I was about 12 years old, and it was in Discovery Bay, California. Brand new development back then. Um, it's a long time ago. And uh, went in there and I remember to this day walking into the girl's room and it was a day bed and it had white eyelet um, bedding on it and it had a beige teddy bear with some pearls around its neck on the bed and it had some white shelving on the wall and I was like I walked in and I looked at my mom and I was like yeah I'm into this I love this it was absolutely gorgeous and I remember that to all these years later. Um, so I would absolutely be encouraged to stage a kid's room. Um, and when you're talking about, I'm not sure I understand the comment following. I don't, I want, I don't, I do not want, I do, I do not and want to show the 
maximum value of the space. I think you can show the maximum value of the space by filling the room and making it uh, making it a lovely aspect. And if you have enough rooms to do them and you do a boy and a girl's, that's even better. Mm-hmm. What do yeah, you think? the demographics of what who you are staging for, knowing who you're staging for. And the house tells you that the house that has three bedrooms, there's obviously obviously going to be like a family in there. You want people to come in and feel like this, this could be their space. That's the whole point. And just pandering to that emotion, people walk in there to be, you know, most houses, when kids walk through, when I was an agent, we walk through houses and people bring their kids along for the showing. Yes, they do. The kids are picking their own bedrooms. Like, this is mine, this is mine, you know, because of the way that it's been staged to make them feel like it could be. Now, if I'm staging like a condo, like a swanky condo downtown, obviously not. And then, of course, the number of bedrooms in the house, the more rooms we have, the more I want to create rooms for everybody that could be in that space. The demographics, right. if it's a family, they have kids. Therefore, we'll create kids' bedroom. We can make it girl bedroom, boy bedroom. We can make it gender neutral. But I think that the more bedrooms you have, and if you know the demographics that you're staging for, there's nothing wrong with creating kids' bedroom. I will actually, you know, definitely create them. Yep. Couldn't agree more. I love this photo. This is from Tammy Cunningham. She's a, a stager in Canada. Love it. It's I think she, she won like three different categories this year. She's amazing over the years. She has really nice work. And this is my jam. I'm just going to let everybody know <laughs> this coffee table. That's my style. Love it. All right. What do you do when a real estate agent doesn't agree with what you bring to a staging? What do you do for that when that happens? Has that ever even happened to you? You know, it happens every once in a while. And I think that when that happens, it's because there's a disconnect somewhere. They are not, you know, disconnect between what their expectations are and what I'm offering. So I start by asking the question, I want to know why you disagree with this. What about it doesn't agree with you? And in that, you would discover it's either they are not quite educated about the process of how things should work or what it is that the staging does or whatever. And then that would be your opportunity to educate them. Sometimes it may be a legit reason. And then you have to find out how you have to have in place before how you're going to address those kind of issues. Do you have the capacity to exchange, you know, change stuff out if it's something that's really, really going to cause a problem that you want to just make them go away, make them happy, whatever. And then also understanding what you're doing and why the reason behind your own choices will help you get ahead of educating them. Like, I don't like that chair, for example, like, we use that chair because it's low profile and it's below the window and you can get benefit of the view without getting in, you know, in the way. Or why didn't you use this? You, if you understand the pro, your own process and why you do things, it'll be so much easier to, you know, get those. I, we get them everyone in, once in a while, but by the time you're able to educate them, they're like, oh, I understand. But if yeah. they don't and they still want to change, then you have to decide how you want to handle that. Just make sure that when you're doing that, you're not, you know, incurring more, you're, you're not spending too much time on it. You're not going to pay a mover to move stuff all over again because then you're at a complete loss. So just Absolutely. handling that carefully, changing out a few things that won't cost you more money or you spend more time on it. Yeah, exactly. So she brings, uh, Jokay brings up a really good point is that in your contract, have this outlined in your contract. If there's, 
if you wish to have changes, you might even say if you wish to go against our professional recommendations and you want to change, we'll be happy to accommodate you. We can change two to three things out that we can bring in our in a vehicle and not a truck at no charge or X charge. And if it's something larger that requires movers in a truck, then we will give you a quote for that. But what I'd like to say is let's set your client up ahead of time in advance so this doesn't happen. Because here's the bottom line is that when you are working with somebody, especially when you're first starting to get to know somebody, this is more likely to happen than after you've worked with them for a few times. And then after you've worked with them many times, this just, just isn't going to come up. But when you're prepping your clients, you can say the great thing about staging is this, is that it's not my style. It's not your style. In fact, there are times I stage a house and I hate everything in it. I don't like it. I would never live this way. This is not my mm -hmm. style, but it's what's right for the pop, for the property. So mm -hmm. if a homeowner doesn't like a piece or the agent doesn't, it really doesn't matter, agent, as mm -hmm. I'm talking to you, telling you this, because it's not about you. It's not about you. Know, you. And, you know, yeah. And, you know, one of the things that we have in our contracts is that, you know, everything we do is for marketing the property. If for some reason that doesn't, you don't like what we're doing and you want a change, as long as it aligns with, you know, the common goal of selling the property, we will absolutely honor it. But by the time we talk through what we're doing and why we're doing what, they usually get it like, oh, I see. That makes sense. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. And also, like, like Joe Kay said, know why. You have to know yourself why you're using it. So you, you definitely need to understand, like she said, to, to, when you said it's a low prof profile or we needed height in this area. So understand why, because if you don't have a reason behind it, when you do need to explain it, you kind of lose some credibility. So always have that in your little in your back pocket. So have you ever woken up in the middle of the night after staging thinking you left a window open or didn't like what you did? If so, what did you do? Has that ever happened to you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. from my days in real estate, like every time you would go show a house, like you would not be able to sleep. At, did I leave that door open? Did I leave that window? Did I leave the key? Did I put, you know, but and then you go back and then, of course, it's there. You're just, you know, doubting yourself, but you just, you know, err on the side of caution. You want to make sure that people's property are secured. Yes, all the damn time it happens. And then for, um, you know, uh, when you stage, somebody said, I think I'm reading the question wrong. What are you like doing there? Yeah, so yeah, it, it happens. And you know what? One big thing that also happened to me had nothing to do with window or doors open. I actually staged a room as a dining room that was supposed to be an office. <laughs> and I did not realize it until I was sleeping. I'm like, damn, I woke up my husband. We're going to that house tonight. Are we going to switch it out? So I got him out of there. And it's because I, it was so confusing. It was a brand new construction. And the builder and I had gone back and forth about which room was going to be the um, dining room and which one was going to be the den. And we didn't quite come to an agreement. And in the throes of getting ready for things and putting things together, and it was just me doing all the things, I staged the room and I'm like, oh my gosh, that is the room that we decided to make an office. And it's now a dining room. So I woke him up, we're going to go and move stuff. And then we switched it around. So, oh my yeah, gosh. Stuff happened. <laughs> you know what's so funny? Every night when I wake up in the middle of the night and I walk out into the kitchen or something and I, my kitchen window's right there and leads straight to my barn. 
every single night I look out there and I'm like, I'm, I'm so afraid. What if I left a gate open and I see a horse <laughs> out, out there? I'm always afraid of it. And I've even, I had to put, I had to put cameras in my barn because I will lay in bed at night and wake up and going, did I, did I, did I accidentally yeah. leave a horse in a stall? Should I, did I not yeah. open their other gate? And so now I have cameras. Yeah. I, if you fetched enough houses, you will have those nights that you wake up like, For I need sure. to go back but and you know lock what? the door. When, when it comes to, like, I knew somebody years ago. I mean, it took her days to stage a home. Days. It's like, you are not profitable if it's taking you days to stage that property. Because what she would do is come in, work on something, go off to something else, come back, second guess herself over the design mm -hmm. principles. I know this is kind of off. It's a little bit of a take on this. No, 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 but, but it, it's true, but it happens but you gotta to the stick best with, of us. You, yeah, you can't just keep changing them around and changing them around and changing them around. You got to, at some point, say, you know what? This is a design plan. This is what we're going with and leave it. The more you yeah. change it, the more hours you're there, the less profitable you are. But you know what? When it comes to those kinds, just going on that again is the fact that you only have this amount of time. I think that's what sets yeah. everybody straight. Like if we had 10 days, I would go back to that house 10 days. And I keep changing it 10 day. different ways. But this house needs to go back on the market. It's good enough. And we see what people don't see. So nobody really cares about something little that we can't sleep, you know, that will keep us up at night. Yeah, for sure. So here's a great question. Um, is, there's been this ad old saying about getting paid out of escrow. So do you offer financing for staging services and should it be done through a third party or out of your own contract? The good news is this. There are some services out there. There are third party services. Um, one is called Zoom Casa. And um, there's a newer one out there. Um, there's lots of concierge services out there that will allow you to do this. Um, I heard Compass was doing things like that. I actually just heard the other day, I think it might, I actually heard that they might not be doing their program anymore. Have you heard anything about them? Um, the Compass Concierge, I the haven't concierge. heard anything new about not, them not doing it again. I've done, I've worked with them in the past using that when it was really, really new and yeah. it was very convoluted. They've improved it over time, but I don't know if they are still, they are not doing it anymore. I haven't heard that. Yeah. So let's yeah. just talk about Zoom Casa because we've worked with them in the past um, and we worked really hard with them to help them understand the staging industry so they could service stagers. So the way it works is this, is that if you have the client and your client wants to pay out of escrow, you can say, great, let me hook you up with Zoom Casa. You go to Zoom yeah. Casa, you give them... Um, all the details of, of everything, the property information, hook them up with the homeowner, mm -hmm. the whole bit, what your staging fees are. If they take the job and they say, yes, we're going to do the project, then they're going to pay you up front. You get paid as a stager. You go do the job. You use your own contract with the job and you get the job done. You are paid. And then the house sells. They get paid back out of escrow. They take yeah. all the risk. If for some reason it falls out of escrow or they decide not to sell, um, they have contracts with those homeowners. Um, typically, mm -hmm. it's just they're going to give them time to, to pay back the fees and, and that type of stuff. Um, so mm -hmm. it's a good thing to be able to do. I personally would never do it on my own. Um, you'd have to have credit cards on file. Then they can close their credit card account. It could be over limit. Um, here's the thing is that you've probably got employees and we all got expenses. Um, you're not a charity and you are actually a staging yeah. company and you're not a finance company. So um, a, a very funny lady once told me the world is full of money, go find some. So oh um, yes, <laughs> there are some services that you can use, um, but I wouldn't take the risk out of your own contract for sure. Yeah, that's, I mean, 
anything that will get me paid upfront is what I would do. So if even if it's a third party company that's paying on behalf of the client, I'm on board. I'm all for that. But I do not offer any kind of pay at closing, third party. I don't do that. Um, I have done it in the past twice and it came back to bite me and I was running around chasing payments. It was not a good use of my time. It didn't feel good at all. And I just don't offer that. And everybody, people will ask you all the time. Yes, if you have like a Zoom pattern or a third party, absolutely. Because people will be like, okay, I your, your quote is, you know, comparable to this person, but the only reason we're going with them is because they offer pay at closing like, yeah, go with them because I just don't do that. Um, so you have to know, once they once somebody um, gets what they need from you, you put your furniture in their house, your paying you is no longer priority. Right. So you have to make sure that you get your money before you, they get the goods. And because we put so much in, you know, ahead of time, we do a lot of work in advance. You've already done a consultation that you probably didn't get paid for, depending on where you are. In the Seattle area, our consultations are free. That's the workflow. And then you have put all this time into getting all the stuff together and getting it into their house and you haven't been paid at all. For me, that's just not a thing that I want to deal with. And yeah, I have expenses that are ongoing. I need to pay my people. I need to pay rent. So yeah, I need to get paid. We always get paid 100% before we actually stage. Yep, absolutely. Do you have a trick for getting the furniture dents out of carpet? <laughs> I do not have any tricks. I've never actually done that, but I've heard that steaming works. And I've also heard that you could put like an ice cube on the dent, walk away, let it melt, and then um, hairdryer, you know, use a hairdryer to pop it up. I've never tried it. So you're going to have to tell me if that works. Yeah, I've heard the ice. Um, uh, anything else, if you're using any type of heat or something like that, the only risk is that you need to understand what the fibers are on the carpet mm -hmm. in case you don't want to mm -hmm. fry them with overheating. Right. But from That's what I understood, point. the um, the ice actually works well and that you could even just use your fingers to kind of just gently or like a terry cloth washcloth or something to gently fluff mm -hmm. it up a little bit. Okay. Tricks of the trade, man. I'm telling you. Interesting. Yeah. Can you share any ideas on how to change up services provided during a slow staging season? And I'm getting fewer jobs with the slower market, but want to keep my employees busy. This is a really good question um, for a couple of reasons. Number one is that you want to plan for the slow season in your busy season. You don't want to wait. This is the big mistake is that people wait and it gets slow and they're like, uh oh, what do we do? And then they're scrambling, trying to cultivate. You want to be marketing all year long. Uh, that's the other thing is to be able to prepare all year long for your marketing plans. A lot of people tend to pull back on their marketing efforts when things are going really well. And yep. then when you have a lull or something happens and there's a dip in the market or something, then it's like, uh-oh, what are we gonna do? Um, but as far as changing up services, I mean, you've got color consultations, you've got the walk and talk consults, you've got holiday decorating that you can do. Um, for the um, short-term rental market, there shouldn't be a slower staging season. People are buying, investing, all the time. Um, so you can get into those types of things as well. Um, so those are all good things to be able to do. And then of course, when you're mm -hmm. talking about some busy work, if you put any type of busy work, maintenance, 
you know, when you talk about your own home, that deferred maintenance that we didn't clean out the gutters and all that type of stuff, do an autopsy on your business. That's a great way to be able to go. If you have a warehouse, autopsy your warehouse. What's not working? What are we going to change in here? Um, fix all the things. Ask your employees what's not working, what's not working for them. They'll come up with the ideas for you. Your admin stuff, cleaning out file cabinets and getting things in order and just restructuring and new plans and brainstorming and strategizing. So all of those things are things that uh, you can do when things get a little slow. Yeah. Yeah. Those are all the things that we are doing. And we always have, you know, throughout the year, there are things that are not working quite the way we want them to work, but we haven't had time to pause and do them. And this is the time of year where the people that are working with me and we're working with you, they want more hours. They need to get creative and create their own hours by coming, coming up with you know, solutions to all the problems that we have. There's always room for improvement in everything we do. So I charge them with, you come up with what you, plans you have for improving X and Y, and then we'll look at it and then we'll all work on it together. Also, just beyond you know, um, having a different income stream because not everybody has strengths in you know the color consultation yeah. and doing all those things you when business slows down any business at all that's when you see all the sale come out you have to come up with some kind of incentive for people to continue doing business with you when it's slow so we have rolled out some you know holiday incentives holiday sale from now till the end of the year so that people can sign up and still stage because everybody is still thinking about staging maybe just not right now yeah. and for the future they're thinking about January the people that can capture their attention are the people who are giving them an incentive to act now you know in you know that to stage in January so we're getting a lot of those right now because we have started putting out you know our holiday sale and we're getting people signed up you know wanting to stage in January even February much you know because they want to take advantage of the pricing right now yep oh e-design yolanda uh pointed out yep. e design can absolutely yeah. do e-design and joanna said she just uses the vacuum to get the dents out vacuum it up <laughs> that actually yeah. was okay that's cool. a good answer it's a good answer mm -hmm. uh so how do you handle offers to buy your staging furniture do you sell individual pieces or entire sets what are your markups do you have to pay before closing at closing or after closing? Is there a sales tax involved? Great question. So um, it's whatever you want to do. Um, if you want to sell individual pieces, that's totally up to you. Just make sure that whatever you're charging is full replacement value and a little bit more for your time because you're going to have to resource that and make sure you can resource it, especially if it's something that you really like using you know, there's some stagers that are really attached to certain types of, you know, some sofa, they're not going to give up or um, a sideboard, they're just not going to give up and somebody wants it. And they're like, I can't replace it. And and they won't give it up. Um, so just make sure that, you know, whatever it is that you do is that uh, you get paid for it. So you can go out and get another one. What do you do this a lot? I do not sell my stuff. <laughs> I'm one of those people that hug my things. Like it takes me a while because I carefully, very, very carefully curate what I have. And we get offers. And I find that most of the offers to buy stuff, by the time you give them that bill of how much it's, it will cost them to buy all the stuff in the house, they're like, oh, because they were expecting like Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist pricing. 
But no, sure. my stuff is worth so much more than that. And I need to get a little markup on them. I take good care of them. They are not so easy to find. And so, yeah, it's been, it's not been something that I would do, but I've considered it a couple of times, but each time it's been like, they were expecting like rock bottom used price. And that's just not working for me. But yeah, if you must, you must make sure that you're getting, you know, you're marking it up because think about how much money that stuff would have made you if you kept it in your inventory and just think about how much you would be able to get for that in versus just giving it away for the price of you know retail at retail so yeah sure i think this happens more often when you're getting into your um more of the upper end of homes um more of the luxury listings i know stagers mm -hmm. that um are actually curating I mean, we're talking million dollar listings, multi-million dollar listing stagers will actually cultivate their inventory and they know they're going to sell it. They're hoping to mm -hmm. sell it, mm -hmm. especially during COVID what they, what, because this person had this business model where he had so much inventory and what happened during COVID supply chains were cut off. Nobody could get furniture anywhere. If yeah. it wasn't sitting in your local Lovitz um, furniture yep. store, you weren't mm -hmm. going to get it, but guess what? He had it. He had the inventory, so he was selling his furniture during COVID to keep himself abreast, and people were paying it. Yeah. Of course, again, it was more in the luxury market, but he curates his designs in the hopes of being able to do that because there are his types of clients are the type of clients that will walk in and buy everything. Mm -hmm. um, as far as is their sales tax, you've got to check with your state. Are you supposed to charge sales tax on your sales uh, to be able to do that? Closing before closing, none of that matters. Um, it's just they obviously you don't have to if you sold them the whole house every single stick of everything you don't have to destage it um so just get your money and make sure it's worth it the other alternative that you can do is if you're like joe k and you like to hang on to your stuff and you have the and you have a resale license and you're buying your inventory wholesale just source it for them say oh you don't want this one i use this all the time but i can get it for you and they'll say, you can get this sofa. I love it so much. Absolutely. Let me make a call. Call your rep at Olex or Elk Home or Diamond Sofa or wherever and say, hey, I need this sofa. How much is it? What's your lead time on it? And, and tell your client and, and mark it up because you're going to buy it at wholesale or stocking dealer price. Mm -hmm. And there's still room for you to mark that up. And they're still paying way below retail. Mm -hmm. So that's another way for you to be able to do it. Try never to say no. Try to make it happen if you can. Okay, when do you destage? A few days before closing, a few days after the home being under contract, somewhere in between. Here's my recommendation. You should never destage until all the contingencies have been removed. No, no way, Jose. And here's why. I love this photo. I love the colors in this photo. Yeah. Sorry, I just got sidetracked. Um, here's why. Yeah, if, you, if you go under contract and then you say, okay, they want to save, you know, one month of rental or whatever, and they don't want to renew for a month and they go into contract and contract falls out and you've, de and you've destaged it. Now they have an, an empty naked house and they're got to put it back on the market and great. They'll have the photos on the MLS. So they'll get the attraction, but once people get there, it's an empty naked house and they don't have the same connection yeah. to it. So yeah. you definitely want to wait until after the contingencies are removed. Um, yeah. Good times. Yeah. And you know what? Some, you know, a lot of homeowners probably don't even know any of this. So we need to educate them and let them know what those things mean. Recently, we actually staged a home 
And the owner was like, oh yeah, you can this stage because I think they were still on the market. Uh, they didn't have an offer and they were like, they were not going to renew the contract. So we removed the staging. And then like two days later, it always happens, right? Somebody makes an offer on the home and then the offer fell through and they decided, you know what? It wasn't working without the staging. And we went back and staged it a second time. They could have saved themselves a lot of money and saved us a lot of trouble by keeping the staging. They would pay less by keeping it, you know, renewal, but they had to pay to restage all over again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, they um, remove all contingencies. And then even when the, what we ask, when somebody calls and says, yeah, the home is pending, you can come this stage. The question is, we ask, when are you closing? Yeah. Give us your closing dates. So the closing date is always our guide. We want to make sure that we're out of there before the closing, at least two days. More time, the better, but at least two days prior to closing. So yep. that's the main question. Like, we're ready to this stage. When are you closing? You know, when are you closing? And then when are your when contingencies are you removed? Sometime between yeah. the contingencies are removed and closing. It's a very yeah. small window, but it's a few days mm -hmm. that that can happen. Mm -hmm. And you get in yeah. and get your stuff out. Mm -hmm. Well, there you have it. Okay, so let's talk about education. If you are on this webinar and you have not educated yourself on the benefits of real estate staging um, and how to start a staging business, please check out one of our accredited education providers. They've all gone through our accreditation process, which means we review their course materials, um, their application. It's a very lengthy application process. Most people want to smother me with a pillow once they're done with it, but it's there <laughs> for a reason. It is a good, good reason. We want to make sure we're hitting standards and have quality information. So check our, out uh, the accredited providers if you don't have any education behind you. And then the CE as well. We have a lot of CE courses. So here's our CE classes. We have them listed on the RISA website as well. And so if you just want a um, a short class on photography and you want to learn something about that, check out Hayden Yates, Simply Spend Splendid. He's really great. Um, all of them have some really great um, ancillary type webinars and education that you can uh, jump into at any time and you would not be disappointed. Um, let's open it up for questions. We're actually um, coming in early, I think. Yep, we're a little bit early. So we're happy to jump on with any questions that you might have. Go ahead and put them in the chat box. Do you have anything to add, Joe Kay, that you want to let everybody know? Anything upcoming for you? Um, anything upcoming for me? I am working on, like you said at the beginning, working on some training opportunities. Yep. You know, some of the training that I do for my students back in Nigeria, I'm bringing them to the U.S. and they'll be available for all levels of, you know, education, brand new homestagers, you know, established homestagers, you know, just helping to grow scale and those types of things and then training your staff as well. So I'll be rolling those out pretty soon. I know we can't wait to see them. Thank and we you. hope to have Joe Kay on the CE provider list as well. So we'll be working on getting her, uh, getting her up to speed for all of that great information. Yes, all right. It doesn't look like we have any other questions. Oh, there we go. Just want to say we love and appreciate seeing Joe Kay sharing her stories and knowledge with us in the SIF group and the Stage It Forward. Well, absolutely. Thank you. It's so wonderful to be here. And thank you for creating Stage It Forward for us. Oh, yeah. It's a this great is, place uh, to be. You know, many, many years ago, well, 16 to 18 years ago, um, there was a group, there was a, a social media network called Active Rain. 
Um, I'm sure it's yeah. still probably in existence, but I, yeah, I was an active radio. We go back about, back in the yes. day. It was a long Absolutely. time ago. It was before Facebook. <laughs> yeah. So we had a group on there called Stage It Forward. I did not run the group. Um, actually, a friend, Craig Schiller, ran the group, and he's no longer in the industry. So when he left the industry, I said, "Hey, can I have that name?" And he's like, mm-hmm. "Absolutely, take it." And I'm like. Right on, man. So we had stage it forward roundtable discussions in the industry back in the day. So now we have the Facebook group and it's really a nice way for um, people to just to get together and to mm-hmm. have some camaraderie and share ideas and be supportive. And um, it's a good group, good group of people. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know what? Recently, I was going back in time on stage it forward from when I started and it was just so interesting to see how, you know, everybody came around and supported you and they wanted you to succeed. And I really enjoyed that about Stage, stage Forward. And that's why I'm in there all the time. All righty. All right. Well, that's it. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us. Um, we really appreciate that you take the time out of your busy days to spend it with us here. And I'm so excited that Joke was able to join me today and uh, share some of her knowledge um happy staging to everybody have a wonderful holiday um i know holidays are coming this is our last um webinar of this platform for me for the year so thank you for helping me round out a great 2022 and we'll have you back on in 2023 and to everybody else thank you and happy staging everybody thank you